0: This is Andy Wakefield, and this is the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before.
1: Welcome to Episode 7 of the Andy Wakefield Podcast. I'm Laurie Gregory.
0: And I'm Andy Wakefield.
1: Andy, it's so great to be here again.
0: Number 7, okay. Number 7,
1: lucky number 7. Yeah. Number 6, we were talking about kind of where we might be going next, and uh, I have a feeling you have an idea about what that looks like.
0: Well, let's go back initially to ask where we came from. We saw that dramatic fall in case fatality rate from measles. It had gone down 99.96% in developed countries. The pattern for America was exactly the same as that for the U.K., And it's highly likely that developing countries would have followed that pattern, albeit some years later. So the, the mortality from measles was still high, is still high in developing countries. But as things were improving and would have continued to improve, particularly if, for example, we invested in sanitation and good water in those countries, we would see an even more rapid decline in case fatality. The question is, what was responsible? What was the mechanism of that fall in case fatality? Because that is natural herd immunity. Now, herd immunity is this term that is fed to politicians by the vaccinologists. It's fed to the media by the drug companies. We've got to preserve herd immunity, community immunity. God,
1: oh, really community that immunity expression. makes me nauseous.
0: Oh, Lord. Because <laughs> it's, you know, well,
1: it's such a false representation of the truth, the right? We live in the era of
0: the political soundbites. Oh, makes true. me ill. But here we have it. This concept of herd immunity that is used to force the public into accepting mandatory vaccination. But no one understands it. No one really has a grasp on what this... Uh, the herd immunity term means. So but, uh, let's divide it into two. Let's go back to natural herd immunity in the pre-vaccine era. Okay. And if we look at that fall in case fatality rate, a dramatic fall over a very short period, the co-evolution of man and microbe, man and measles, to produce a changing outcome, an improved outcome from measles, that was natural herd immunity. And there were principally two elements that were responsible for that. In an environmental sense. And one is the fact that exposure, one exposure to measles in childhood led to lifelong immunity. Now, measles is more dangerous, has a greater severity and a worse outcome in terms of mortality in the very young, babies under one. Sure. And adults. Right. We don't fully know the reason for that. And it's not important for this conversation that we do know the reason. But measles in childhood is a mild disease and was becoming dramatically milder. That is when children catch measles. So it's when a susceptible population who have no immunity to measles first congregate together. Mm -hmm. They come to school. They play together. They fight together. They tumble. And and they, they are a perfect, they provide a perfect setting for the rapid transmission of an infection like measles, which is highly contagious. So we see measles in childhood. And that's when ch- children should, if they're going to get measles, get the disease because that's when it's mildest.
1: So the idea is that first precious year, the child is receiving breast milk, getting... Well, look, we'll
0: come, we'll come into why.
1: Okay. We'll come into why. But, uh, the, the,
0: um, but the, the, the fact is that measles in childhood is when it's safest.
1: Right. And, and th- measles... Th- that, that window. Absolutely. Right. And if that- you miss that window... If you're outside of that window, you're going to be more vulnerable.
0: That's right. You're going to be more vulnerable to severe disease. So natural measles infection in childhood gives you lifelong immunity. And that lifelong immunity protects you from infection as an adult when measles is a more severe disease. Now, the other element to this is the protection, as you referred to, of the baby, of the baby under one. And historically... This was achieved by mothers experiencing natural measles as children, and then when they became pregnant, conferring that immunity through passive passive transpacental transmission to their babies, so that when their babies were born, they already had measles antibodies circulating in their blood from their mothers, and then the continued provision of those antibodies in breast milk. So for the first year of life, Babies were protected by passive maternal immunity from the infection.
1: So the first vulnerable time period outside of that safe window, quote-unquote safety window, would be the first year of life. That's protected because of the mother's passive immunity. Okay, so then what about the other side outside that Safety window, which would be elder, older when you're an adult, and that's when you're more vulnerable. What about that?
0: And that's when you're protected by the one exposure you've had as a child, giving you lifelong immunity. So So those two elements. So
1: you get that. You get that that mild measles reaction in that safety window after one year of life and before adulthood, when you're when you're a child, and that's when measles would present as relatively mild. You get a a rash, maybe for ten days probably 99% of the cases are relatively benign and there's no deaths and it's not a big deal. And that provides the gift of immunity when you're an adult.
0: That's absolutely right. And this was a natural co-evolution between man and microbe that led effectively to the continuation of both. So measles as an infection, it would be no merit to measles in the long term to kill you. It would kill its host, and therefore it would have no one to go on and reproduce in. Right. So when have you to have, have symbiosis, these, so that's right. When you have these loses. these interactions between man and microbe, it, it actually it behooves them to facilitate each other's survival. Sure. Uh, so that was what was happening historically prior to 1961, and so we had this what I call permissive constraint of measles to childhood, which allowed you to be protected against more severe disease at those. Uh, further towards the extremes of life. And that was really a major part of this fall in case fatality. rate. And then that all changed with vaccination. We interfered because we could. And what we discovered to our dismay is that measles was an imperfect vaccine, like an imperfect antibiotic that just allowed some to survive, not to kill all that actually it didn't lead to lifelong immunity. It led to less than lifelong immunity. And so we became susceptible to measles again as adults. And they were very, very reluctant to admit this, but it was a fact. And every other aspect of it, that the vaccine didn't cause brain damage or death, that it couldn't be transmitted from the vaccinated to the unvaccinated, that it would lead to the rapid eradication of measles. All of these promises, all of them failed. They collapsed on the altar of our own vanity, our own intellectual vanity that we would we would conquer this disease. No, we didn't. The disease survived, and here we have it today.
1: So, we're, when we see in corporate media, we're seeing all these, you know, headlines, and we all know now those of us in the health freedom movement who've been paying attention. January becomes measles season every year. They start ramping up the narrative as a way to justify these mandates they really are using it as the tip of the spear to push mandates measles right so we know that this onslaught is coming it's it's really disconcerting that they have made measles a fear-based narrative to drive americans into going and getting vaccines and it's also disconcerting as a parent that you don't hear about kids getting measles anymore. So basically this entire natural immunity process has been completely disrupted. People aren't safely getting their natural inoculation from the virus. That doesn't even happen anymore. And they've turned it into this giant scare tactic that measles is going to kill you and you have to rush and get your shot. Is measles going to kill us now? Have we created a monster? Have we let the monster out of the laboratory? Where are we going with this?
0: This is a a very, very good question. And and on so many different fronts. Um, First of all, the question as a scientist is looking at that graph of the dramatic decline in case fatality rate for measles, effectively the severity of measles. It was plummeting towards zero. What would have happened if we'd never vaccinated? Would the mortality from measles have gone to zero? Would it? It was undoubtedly becoming such a mild disease that it would have ended up being no more than a head cold at most, but a head cold that afforded lifelong protection against measles. Why did we interfere? But we did because we could. And so now we have... A bigger. An unknown. Problem. Now we have, we have a, a complete unknown. And should we fear measles? Possibly, for reasons that we'll now we can we can go into. But you talk about fear, and fear is a an extraordinary, extraordinarily powerful motivator. It's a powerful motivator to politicians because they don't understand disease.
1: So they are
0: manipulated. They are so vulnerable fear. to manipulation and fear from the man in the white coat, from the public health official, from the pediatrician, and likewise the public. Although the public are to some extent far better informed now, far more skeptical. But this started with the uh, the 1976 swine flu. This. This recognition that fear was really very, very persuasive to politicians, which is when they first got a liability protection Mm -hmm. from damage done by their vaccine. And it was a complete debacle. There was no swine flu, but 95% of the American population were targeted for vaccination. The vaccination program hurt a lot of people, paralyzed and killed people from diseases such as Guillain-Barre syndrome. And there was no swine flu at all.
1: No. They did the same thing with the Avian flu in the early 2000s. I mean, there's these patterns in history. You live long enough, you can start to yes. spot them, right? You do.
0: And then what, what it did for the industry was provide a precedent for liability protection. Right. They realized that if they could frighten Congress, mm-hmm. then they could get this. They, would get, they could get off scot-free. And, and the taxpayer could pick up the bill for not only purchasing the vaccine in the first place, but also the damage done by the vaccine, irrespective of whether the vaccine was needed or not, and it hasn't been. So that fear base has worked extremely well for them. And then, of course, it went on to play out in very much the same way in the passage of the 1986 National Childhood. Now Advocate they have the best
1: business model known to man. Absolutely, is... a
0: mandatory market and. And no liability for, for. faulty products. All they products. can do is profit. I mean, it, it's it flies remarkable. in the face of the free market. But that's another huge issue, huge. That's which why we, we need the film. Take on in the film. There's <laughs> yes. a film coming, people. There is a film coming. Have,
1: have faith. It's coming. Yeah.
0: You think you were frightened before? You'll be frightened.
1: Now. Yes, and hopefully inspired to mobilize because that's really what we've got to do. Um, but what is you know what it what is the what is our best hope now? Because if If pharma and its machine, we know they have more lobbyists than we have politicians, what is the pharma machine? How are they going to be able to continue to get away with using this measles scare tactic to basically sell more product because they're just pushing people to go and get the measles vaccine? At some point, the truth will be revealed. Pardon me. I know that, you know, the dedication that we have from people like you and Bobby Kennedy, Del Bigtree, all the mamas that fight. I mean, we have so many people that are waking up to the truth because you have led the way. But since you have been in this for so long, where do you think we need to go from the science side of things? Where do we need to take this? In a perfect world, you're going to get to wave a magic wand and change policy what are you going to do to stop this measles misconception that is being used to manipulate our politicians into passing more mandates that sell more product and hurt more people?
0: Right. Well, I think we have to understand it better. Just we to- don't we don't fully no. understand <laughs> it yet, do. do we? We know nothing. We, we know really nothing. Don't. We are just a bit to say that I I've led the way. I you know I've come on the back of many others, in particular people like Barbara Low Fisher who. Was in this long before I was, and and God bless her. She's done an extraordinary she job. Really so has she done really is an job. astonishing Great, person. Beyond Great inspiration. So, um, but we need to understand it better. And this do is where need, I came to. Do we need through.
1: to understand better what happened in nineteen sixty one? Do we need to understand better? You know, we
0: what, need what to understand we, what, what better pieces than, the pieces. Don't we monster know? That we've created.
1: Yes. What pieces don't? Maybe that's the better question. What pieces don't we know about the monster we've created?
0: Right. Well, let me. Do we know what
1: we don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: we don't. When I looked at it further, when I went into the research, I predicted where we. Were. I thought this is. Oh my gosh, this is where we are. And then I researched it further and realised that the evidence is now in place. That's actually happened. It's come to pass, and and that's really, really alarming. So we need to understand the situation that we're in. At the moment. And you're absolutely right. What we've got is an imperfect vaccine. The problem for the industry and the problem for the vaccinologists is that many of them, the smart ones, know. What they know is that we have a major problem coming, that the vaccine is not only not the answer to that problem, it is the cause of the problem in the first place, but there's no answer in place to address that. There's nothing in place. They don't have some super vaccine that's going to come in and take over from the live MMR vaccine that's going to save everybody. They don't have anything.
1: So they're not going to point out the problem if they don't have the answer. No,
0: absolutely. So all they can do at this stage is encourage, force more of the same, double the dose, have another vaccine, which is actually magnifying the problem, make more money. And Merck's sales of MMR have gone up dramatically in the face of these outbreaks of measles that have been alleged in the media secure the market through mandatory vaccination worldwide before people wake up to the idea that the vaccines are a complete failure. And this is where we are. Now, people say that's over-elaborate, but it's not.
1: Well, it's but what's happening.
0: It's what's happening. What we have are outbreaks of measles and mumps and other infections, but let's deal with measles in highly vaccinated populations. People who've received not one dose, but two, three, like 90, or more doses of the vaccine. Four
1: percent are some crazy yeah. number.
0: Why did we see outbreaks of bacterial disease in the face of antibiotics to which we thought the bacteria were resi- were, 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 were susceptible. Why did we see that? Because we got it wrong. And we have got it wrong with vaccines as well. And so one of the things that the model predicted is the emergence of resistant strains of measles virus. That under genetic selection pressure from an imperfect vaccine, We were going to see the survival and the perpetuation of strains of that virus that were, in fact, decreasingly susceptible to the immunity produced by the vaccine. And that's exactly what's happened. So now worldwide, we have reports of strains of the measles virus that are no longer susceptible to the neutralizing antibodies that we produce in response to the vaccine. The neutralizing antibodies are the key ones, the ones that actually neutralize the virus before it gets into cells and is able to reproduce. Mm. And so the gold standard measure of your immunity, for example, induced by a vaccine.
1: How robust is, is, is that in in neutralizing that. antibody response? Yeah.
0: And one of the most telling studies, really, that compounded this problem came from a blood transfusion unit. They were isolating Immune globulin, the antibody in blood, from blood donors to give to people who had genetic immunodeficiencies, people who could not receive live viral vaccines. They didn't have the immunity to deal with the live viral vaccine, and it would have killed them. And so in outbreaks of measles, those individuals were protected by giving them what's called hyperimmune globulin from blood donors. And the FDA had certain requirements for the level of neutralizing antibody that were required to meet their standard, to be protective, to be given to people uh, to prevent measles. And what they found is increasingly the blood donors who were coming to them no longer had protection, no longer had adequate neutralizing antibody to meet the FDA's standard. And this was a big problem. So people way back in history, the donors who had come from way back who'd experienced natural measles, had wonderfully high antibody levels. Sure, But those successively that came from later and later generations Mm -hmm. had less and less and less neutralizing antibody to the point where despite the introduction of the booster MMR vaccine, there was no protection at all. So what they said to themselves is, okay, why don't we take our donors now and just before we take their blood to isolate their antibody, why don't we give them a booster and see if that then ups their antibody level to a point where it passes the FDA's requirement for neutralization. And what happened? And It did. It doubled it. It it doubled it. But it came nowhere near Uh, the FDA's requirement. It produced a tiny increase, effectively but nowhere near what was necessary and then within 100 days it was gone.
1: And that's the difference between a vaccine-stimulated antibody response and a natural immunity antibody response from having had the
0: measles. Correct? One of the many I presume the differences. Right. Sure. That we, and this is the state of ignorance. We don't even
1: know no, how this, the all the benefits.
0: Yeah. This paper really illustrated the extraordinary state of ignorance in which we operated so that here we have a situation where, despite booster doses of vaccination being national policy, Na- you have blood donors with no neutralizing antibody. There is no protection. They are naked in the face of a measles outbreak now. And that's terrifying. So they could no longer be used to confer antibody protection on people who are immunodeficient. All this whole idea of protecting the immunodeficient, that's gone out the window precisely because of vaccination.
1: Yeah.
0: And the booster dose... Just in advance of taking their blood to isolate, that didn't work. And it reverted back to baseline within 100 days. That would mean to get any improvement in your antibody level, you would need three boosters a year for life. Crazy. Of a vaccine that doesn't work. Now, that's a massive money spinner for Merck.
1: Plus the toxic load with all the other junk. Can you (laughs) imagine?
0: But, you know, this is the madness of the situation that we're faced with and no one realized. And they're terrified of that situation. And they've never talked about that paper. No one's dared discuss it because it flies in the face of all of their beliefs, all of the things that they've told us, that they've rammed down our throats in the media and the state legislature. It all is for naught. It's a terrifying situation. It's, really
1: the, it's the nail in the coffin for its vaccine failure because of all those six things you were describing that... Were promised in 1961, none of them have come true. None of them have come to pass. And this is the final, this is yet another important milestone that it's, uh, that's unachievable. So we really, we really have total vaccine failure here.
0: Well, we, what we have are two things. We have a vaccine failure and the emergence of mutant strains of the vaccine. So those two things together are potentially disastrous. Vaccines don't protect. They make the situation worse, and they've led to the emergence of mutant strains of the virus. And, and I read the other day, and this is perhaps one of the most concerning things of all, is that those mutant strains have in their molecular makeup characteristics of measles virus variants that are responsible for a severe, fatal, chronic, that is a delayed encephalitis.
1: So they're coming back with a vengeance. Well,
0: you know, God forbid, but that is a distinct possibility. And that is a situation that is entirely at the hand of man. We did something about which we knew nothing. We assumed dominion over this microorganism whose collective intelligence is far greater than our own. And nature will haunt the high ceilings of our ambition, as it appears to have done with measles. And so we need to think very, very, very carefully. You asked me about what do we do next. And I don't have any answers for that. But we have to think very, very carefully about the situation in which we find ourselves. We need to be honest with people. We've created this disaster, potential disaster, and we're not making it any better. And the way I see things going now is that these mandatory vaccination laws are being forced upon us in an extraordinary way fast and furious, because they know the truth and they don't want us to find out the truth. Because when we realize the truth, then those laws, they cannot Mm come. We will simply say no. And so in order to secure their market, it has to happen now before we find out.
1: Well, if you keep listening to the podcast that we're putting up, you're going to find out a lot more sooner rather than later. We have to think about focusing on building our immunity and being strong and being healthy, right? Because the microbe's always going to be out there. But what we've done to complicate the problem has yet to be unraveled, and we've got to figure out how to do it. So thank you. Stay tuned. You've been listening to the Andy Wakefield Weekly Podcast, a place where stories are being told that have never been heard before. This is a 7th Chakra Films production in collaboration with Brick City Creative. Please follow and like us while you still can on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 1986theact and soon on SPHERE.